Writing is rewriting. Copywriting is rewriting, everybody. You're not going to get your first draft and it's going to be magic. And somebody's going to say, wow, I don't think any of the greats really do that. You know, all your money's made in editing. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. Hey, welcome back to The Truth About Marketing. It's Kev Rogers here with uh, one of my great friends, a guy I really admire in this business who is, um, you know, behind the scenes writing big promos every day. Uh, You probably know him if you're paying attention to copywriting, uh, but these days uh, he's just head down doing his work, shares a lot of cool stuff on Facebook. Uh, uh, about his insights, but I think this is a rare treat to get the great million dollar Mike Morgan on here to talk about his writing process a little more and give us some of his uh, hard won wisdom from many years in the trenches. So Mike, thanks for doing this, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, Who is this guy? I want to meet him. (laughs) You're impressed already, aren't you? Wow. (laughs) I think I'm I'm on the wrong call. That was a good build up. (laughs) <laughs> well, you're, you know, I, you and I first met at uh, one of John Carlton's, I believe it was a, one of his hot seat events, right? In, I think so, yeah. Yeah, we were both on his panel. Uh, and around the same time, we were both teaching his simple writing system. And man, I was like a babe in the woods then. And you guys were my heroes, you know, you and, and, and Deutsch and, and Garfinkel uh, and Harlan. So, man, it's been, you know, I consider you one of the people I've been learning from the longest. Wow. Um, I'll tell you what, um, you're the impressive dude. I mean, man, you like, you shot out of nowhere. And I mean, you have impressed me for, I don't know, 10 years. <laughs> wow. Thanks, man. Appreciate appreciate that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny how we all, everybody, it's, it's interesting to watch these career you know, arcs of, of copywriters. Cause you, you have options along the way. Uh, I'm sure you, you experience this, Mike, where at points in your career, you, you sort of get this opportunity fatigue, right? Yeah. Um, you could, you know, you, you are a guru, but you haven't necessarily taken like the guru route of putting out courses and monetizing your experience, right? Uh, you your know, courses and that type of thing, but, uh, mm-hmm. gosh, I mean, the first one I did, I'll tell you what, I was still pretty wet behind the ears, but I'd had some, you know, nice successes, you know, still, I was one of the first guys to do a, you know, million dollar uh, promo in the internet marketing niche. Um, And, you know, I did this course and man, I made six figures from that, um, Mm. from that, from that course. Funny story behind that. You know, I had some friends helping me through launching this thing, Kelman Knudsen and, and I had Sterling Valentine and, and, you know, I did a, a whole lot of things. Right. Um, but we uh, launched this thing with a teleseminar and I did not, I did not do any preparation whatsoever for the teleseminar until the day that it came. And I'll tell you, it was a freaking goose egg. 
So you, can I drop f bombs on this? Uh, you, you could. We, we, I try not to. <laughs> I always think about the, the the parent marketer driving around with their kids in the car, trying to enjoy some Mike Morgan. <laughs> All right, so I'll keep it. I'll keep it PG. <laughs> So um, anyway, you know, I totally, I totally screwed that up and I totally screwed up my, um, my teleseminar. You know, I had, I had 5,000 people signed up for a teleseminar. Wow, That's how man. good the pre-launch was. Wow. And um, the, in the teleseminar, you know, a lot of people don't show up, but there's still over a thousand people on the teleseminar. And this teleseminar was so crappy that I, after I was done, I, I waited and I waited for the, for the orders wow. to start coming in oh, and man. I got one order. Wow. I, I waited a little while. I got another order. I think I got Check. like a to total of like three orders. It's like you're checking the technology. This can't be working. Something's wrong with the order form. Oh man. I'll tell you what I left. I left the office and I was totally deflated. And, you know, and I went home and I was like, man, that all this work and man, I totally sucked. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm not the best speaker. I'm not like you, man. I couldn't do what you do. Um, and you do it with plum. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I, I sucked at it. And, but I thought, you know, that night I thought, God, you know, I have to put a lot of work into this. I got to do something to turn it around. And so the next day I came in, I was like, you know. I'm a writer. I'm not a speaker. Um, and I'm just going to write a great email. And I wrote a great email. I told people how bad I screwed up on the teleseminar and that I wasn't prepared and that I had put so much time into everything else and outlining the course that, that you know, my teleseminar, I didn't, I didn't really prep for. And, you know, and I, I basically, I said, you know, what, what the course is going to be, what I'm going to do how people will benefit. And I'll tell you what, I got like $50,000 worth of orders that day. Wow. Is that something? <laughs> and, then, and the next day I sent another email, you know, kind of <laughs> almost the same thing. And, um, you know, before I knew it, man, I was at six figures. I thought, man, I'm, I'm in fat city. And it was like a wow. thousand bucks a head. Um, and I actually, you know, I delivered the course um, you know, a few guys came out of that and that became million dollar copywriters. So, um, you know, Hey man, you can get really discouraged at one aspect of, of your marketing, but you know, everybody's got a strength in another aspect. And man, I use that email and I'm telling you, that was a huge lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, that is a huge lesson for everybody. And for you, did you decide at that point, all right, if I, if I do any of this again, I'm going to, it's, you know, I'm going to write it. It's what I do. I'm a copywriter. I'm like, you know, screw the, the Facebook lives and the teleseminars and all that stuff. Not my yeah, forte. Absolutely. <laughs> gave, gave yourself permission to put, yeah, put to that go to old bed. school, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's great. We all, Hey, you know, there's a great lesson in there about trying different stuff and you immediately in one day turned a, a dismal failure into a huge win by going back to what you knew best, right? I mean, that's huge lesson number one in this conversation already. Yeah. And, you know, a few years later, I did another big launch. I teamed up with a bunch of people and we were teaching this uh, course basically on how to, um, how to fuse online and offline. And, um, you know, 
there were no teleseminars. There was no webinars. There was none of that crap. And still, you know, we launched this thing and in a week we had a business that was set to turn a million dollars a year. (laughs) And it was all done old school, you know, just when new school stuff was really coming into vogue. Right. Wow. That's very cool. That's a subject I think people would still be interested in, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how do you get someone from, from their mailbox to their browser? Um, it's, uh, you know, it's something that has to be done these days, I think for longevity. Well, I think too, you know, that you can actually even split your marketing, you know, so some of it, yeah, you can do online and some of it you do offline too. Cause you know, people, they have preferences and how they, how they receive their info. And, right. you know, back then, gosh, this was, you know, probably eight years ago or so. Um, you know, there were a lot of people that still weren't, you know, totally into this online thing. <laughs> Right. It's become much more pervasive now, luckily. Yeah, it seems to have caught on. <laughs> <laughs> now you spend, so you don't have any any sites out there. I asked you before, you said, nope, no URL, nowhere to go. But um, you do uh, share some really great stuff on Facebook. I love your updates. You, you're very uh, sort of open about what you're working on. And I know in the last year or so, it's been a lot of Agora packages is that your number one client still yeah well my my number one clients are the big financial publishers now i mean i've done some other stuff you know i mean i started out you know in the online marketing thing and it was a complete accident you know i um when i got into copywriting my my first big plan was to go with the big publishers and i you know lucked into this thing um you know uh by going to a seminar and I walked out of that seminar with a ton of business. The very first seminar, I mean, gosh, I'd been in copywriting for six months (laughs) and um, you know, and I walked out of that, that, that seminar with $50,000 worth of work for the next year out of one seminar. And um, but anyway, so, you know, I, I was completely out of, or or not working with the big publishers. I was working mostly in, um, internet marketing niche and some other niches. And I'll tell you the smartest thing I did when I had the opportunity was to, you know, jump ship and go to the big publishers. Cause I'll tell you, you know, getting royalty payments out of uh, entrepreneurs is like, you know, pulling teeth from a, you know, a a rabid, a rabid wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, it, you know, I want to talk about this for a minute. If, cause you know, you made the transition that I know a lot of copywriters struggle with because the idea is that if you do get that control and those royalty payments start coming in, you can reestablish how you work, right? You can uh, have a little more leverage in what you choose to work on, what kind of uh, controls you look to beat or what products you look to write for. And uh, certainly there's no shortage of need for copywriting talent among the big publishers. Um, However, if you're used to getting a healthy flat fee and being a more, more of a solo, uh, you know, producer, it's, um, it's challenging to go through the process to winning that first control and seeing those royalties come in. If, if, you know, you could end up writing for a month or longer and only collect part of the upfront fee, 
right? Until you're established and that, that can really be a ding in your, in your revenue. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you so know, how, how did, how did you do it? Um, <laughs> um, so funny story behind that, you know, I'd written a lot of really great stuff in the, in, particularly in the internet marketing niche. I mean, I'd had launches that have, you know, that were 9 million, that were 11 million, that were, you know, all the way up to like $17 million. And frankly, I, I got a little, I guess, I don't want to say cocky because I'm not like a cocky guy, but, um, you know, I don't know, maybe I read too many of my own press clippings (laughs) and, um, but the whole process was like, it was completely different, um, from writing in those niches, you know? I mean, the research had to be even deeper and broader and, you know, in the process, it was more intimidating because, you know, you're looking at, at all those old controls that they have and you're like, wow, how does, how do those copywriters come up with that stuff? And in fact, now I even, I'll look, you know, at a control that I wrote, you know, four or five years ago and I'm like, man, how did I write that thing? You know, I mean, but it's all like part of the process, you know, it's just part of this discovery as you're as you're doing the research. And I think we're going to talk a bit about the research. Um, You know, that was, uh, it was, it was a game changer to me, how to research for the big publishers versus, you know, all the niche stuff I was doing. Yeah. Because it's much more challenging because you're going up against everything else they've ever sent out every year, the promo and the history of that product. Right. So if it's a supplement, (laughs) yeah. Like all the ingredients have been sexed up every which way they can. Right. And it gets really hard. And, you know, not to mention the fact that I had never dealt with a legal department before. Oh boy. You know, I've always written, you know, very honestly. Um, and you know, I've seen copy, you know, that frankly wants to, I want to puke over because I know that, you know, the copywriters just telling people what they want to hear. And, you know, I'll tell people what they want to hear, but it's based on the truth and framing, you know. Um, so, you know, this legal department, it was it was a big thing. I mean, the first time I got comments from the legal department, I mean, I I sat down in my desk and I slumped. I mean, they they wanted me to um, they wanted me to like back up what the weather was like this particular day as I was, um, you know, framing this story. <laughs> Is that right? Wow, that's not not an exaggeration. (laughs) They want you to back up everything. You know, any claim you make, man, it's got to be backed up. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, uh, so now I I suppose you're at the point where you you can kind of, you know, have this sixth sense about, nah, that's going to get caught up in legal. I'll find another way to say that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And when once you've been through the process, you you kind of learn, and. You know, when I work with the legal department there, I've got uh, this this way of doing it. It's like I look at legal as they're like the IRS, you know, they're, they're they got to find something wrong. <laughs> right. right. Um, Not getting paid if everything's perfect. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'll let them have a few little things, but I'll tell you what, I will fight like a lion when it comes to my big things. And this one headline that I did in a um, in a control for Agora Financial, um, I literally spent a week convincing um, the uh, legal person there that what I was saying was true and it was right. 
And, and, and I'm a copywriter, you know, and I had to write it to them. And it took me like a whole bunch of times, I don't know, probably 10 times to really get it through their head that, yeah, that was, it's, it was, it was accurate. We could back it up legally. So, you know, I, I fight like a lion on the big things and the little things. I'm like, okay, you got me. <laughs> right. And do you ever put stuff in there to, to appease them? Like, yeah, I'll just put these little breadcrumbs in there that they can sweep up and go, sure, I'll change that and that. So, so maybe they, yeah, don't notice some of the other stuff. I guess they're going to, they're going to scrutinize everything, but <laughs> they, they, they scrutinize do. everything. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you, I sell as hard as I can, knowing they're going to make me change wills to coulds, but I'm still writing wills. <laughs> and, and part of that is because, you know, that's in my, it's in my, um, my mentality, you know, of how I have to write the copy. You know, I've got to be mm -hmm. as aggressive as I can. And then, you know, we can always walk something back. Interesting. Right. So, yeah. And Carlton talks about that just when you're even internally, if you're not dealing with is a stringent, a, a legal department, that that's how you should write your first draft totally over the top, knowing you'll have the opportunity to back it down. Yep, absolutely. And that's something I learned from John. You know, John was a was a great teacher to me. He was the first guy to really go over any of my copy. And, and I'll never forget, he's like, Mike, you write well, but your headline is just a jumble of words. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, so you, you have a pretty internal process. I mean, you, I know you work with some Cubs. Are you currently working with, with Cubs? Um, I'm working with one Cub right now. So do you have a... Uh, peer review process before you go into the uh put a draft into the uh, chief you're working with and and then legal or is is that the process just you and them you know um well it's been me and the copy chief first yeah mm -hmm. and then um and then it's me and legal um at first when i was writing for agora um my first two promos we went through their um cub process that's where you're looking for stuff that's confusing, um, unbelievable, and um, boring. B boring, yeah. Right. So um, I did that on my first two promos and um, got my first one. I got caught a lot. Um, and my second one, I hardly got caught at all. And then they're like, okay, no more cub for you. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You, you, you graduated past the uh, copy logic process. Yeah. It's a great process, cool. though, by the way. And, you know, I really, really kind of internalize that. And that, that stuff, all that stuff gets to me, though, after I've written my first draft and I get into my editing. Right, right, right. So, so you've mastered that art of pumping out that first draft. So, yeah, sort of know. unfiltered. Yeah. <laughs> because that, that, I'll tell you, man, that was one thing I, I, I never really achieved. That was my Achilles as a solo copywriter. I ended up partnering, you know, with Ben Johnson for the second five years of my freelance career. And it was great because he, he could do that. He was a great, very prolific writer, you know, could write without filters. I could not stop myself from editing as I went. And it was a killer. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, one of the biggest lessons I learned was just when you're done with your research and you've, you've got an outline and you and we'll go over this process a little bit if you want to go deep. Um, sure, I'd love to. And then you know I'm going through my research and I'm organizing all my research. 
man, drafting out that or um, busting out that draft, you know, do it fast. You do it as fast as you freaking can. And you get that thing done because really where all the money is made in your copy is going to be from the editing. And so, you know, gosh, you know, like this, I just did a process or a, a promo with um, Paris and man, I mean, the process, I mean, man, we were killing a lot of darlings, I'll tell you. Um, and I'm something I'm not afraid to do because really writing is rewriting. Copywriting is rewriting, everybody. You're not going to get your first draft. And it's going to be magic. And somebody's going to say, wow, I mean, I don't even know, you know, I know Paris can't do that. Um, I don't think David Deutsch does that. I don't think any of the greats really do that. You know, all your money's made in editing. Absolutely right. Yeah. And, and you know, once you uh, agree to that process and learn that that's how it's going to go, it's freeing, isn't it? Because you, you know, you can pump out that first draft unfiltered without, uh, it, it isn't the pressure of, oh, I got to get, that was my problem. I was thinking, no, I want this to be the best first draft possible, you know? And, uh, it was just, it was, it was unproductive. I don't even think that way. I don't even yeah. think that way. All I think of is getting my draft done gets me to the start. <laughs> yeah. Right. I love that. I love that. All right, let's talk about your process a little bit. You've you've generously offered to share. This is really important, everybody. Like, the, you know, these are the golden moments on this show, I think, when a writer agrees to bring us into their process because everybody's is a little different. But every time I, I get to hear one of the greats share how they go about it, what's happening in their mind, the, the physical process of it. Uh, it, man, it, it just makes me a better writer. Just, just hearing it, it, it is, it's like it, it adds to our DNA as writers. So take us through it, Mike, as much as you're willing to share uh, from the moment you're, where does it start? I guess, choosing the product, and then you're, you've got the research in, in, in hand. And that's really the starting point. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a couple ways. Sometimes you already have an idea. Um, other times you don't have an idea. <laughs> okay. So, so the process is a little bit different um, for each of those. So let's talk about um, where you don't have the idea. Okay. Um, okay. So, you know, David Garfinkel was, you know, was a mentor of mine for gosh, about a year and a half and we become great friends. Um, and when I made the switch over to writing for the big publishers, um, I felt like I had some holes in my research. And uh, one day, um, Garf and I, we were talking about that on the phone. And he's like, well, I think I have the cure for you. And um, I'm going to put it in Dropbox. It's a video. It's a video of uh, Eugene Schwartz. Um, and he was talking to uh, Rodale Press. And in that video, um, there was, um, he, he basically he just like stripped his whole research process down to the bone. Now, um, Eugene Schwartz was writing for books. So what Eugene Schwartz would do is he would, you know, he would read that book. And then he would read that book again and he would take copious notes. And then when he was done with his notes, he would, uh, he would and he, he hand, hand wrote all of these. Um, which is kind of where I was from, you know, more old school. And um, 
So he would handwrite these and he would send them off to a typist to type them up. And then about a week later or so, the typist would, you know, hand him his big stack of paper. And um, he'd get that big stack of paper and um, he would start to look through the notes. He'd start to categorize everything. Um, He'd start to see where, you know, one little thing could play with another little thing. And then he would organize those notes um, so that he could build his outline for his copy. Now, there's some interesting things that went on there um, that um, that I noticed. Um, The first one was, you know, when he first started doing his research, he just did it with reckless abandon. He would he he might go down some rabbit holes. And, um, but he would, you know, he would go, he'd be willing to go down them. Um, but when he got done with all of his notes and he'd have, you know, gosh, you know, probably a couple of legal pads full of notes, he would send those off to his typist. Now, I thought that was really interesting because, um, both you and I know, and every copywriter really knows that a lot of your work is done by your subconscious and, you know, that sending those notes off. You know, basically, it took the pressure off of him um, on the project to where he could engage his subconscious more. And um, there's no doubt in my mind that he really engaged that subconscious. By the time that he got his notes back, you know, he would know better, you know, um, what to do with those notes and how to categorize things. And maybe, you know, what one piece of information played off of another piece of information where, you know, maybe you could connect, you know, two ideas into one idea that you, you know, that no one's ever used before. So anyway, so this was, it was really interesting, but, you know, gosh, I wasn't selling, um, I wasn't selling books, you know, um, um, like my first big control, it was an idea about how uh, 3D printing was going to change the world. And I had to go, you know, all over the place on the Internet to get my to get my research. Um, my first promo that I did for Agora Financial um, was not a control. It was a tryout project um, and it converted, you know, fairly decently. But, uh, man, I had a hard time, like I said, dealing with um, with legal. And that's because a lot of times I had uh, notes and I didn't necessarily keep the web link. <laughs> so i had to look for those and i had to figure out how am i gonna how am i gonna keep all those so i just started you know after i went through this eugene schwartz thing i just decided okay so i'm just going to keep all my notes on a word document and i'm going to you know every rabbit hole i go down or whatever i'm going to put what's really interesting about it and i'm going to put the link and so i did that and then once i got all my research and my head felt like it was full I'd put that away for a few days and I'd work on another project. You know, that's um, another thing, you know, that's great for copywriters is always have two projects going at the same time in different phases. Hopefully Um, I've been in the same phase um, on two projects before and it's hell. (laughs) So I always, you know, try to start researching on something after I'm starting to write on something else. Interesting. So, yeah, you might think that that would be just overwhelming for your brain, but you're saying let your your brain, your subconscious is able to sort of categorize what it's uh, percolating on 
while you go off and do different work. In fact, it's essential to do that. In fact, it is. And there's a lot of times when I'd be like in the middle of, say, I'm, um, I'm researching one project, but I'm writing the other project. And who knows, maybe I'd like stumble across something in my research that uh, might come into play in my other project. Or I'd have an idea. I'd be like, oh, man, you know, my subconscious would like hit me with this idea of, you know, something that, uh, you know, maybe a proof point or any number of things where I would just write myself a little note. And when I went back to that project, I would have that little little piece without any real conscious effort. So it is important, but yeah. So it's like, it's, it's like the, 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 the great uh, James Webb Young book uh, technique for producing ideas is, is sort of in this theory, right? That you've got this brain stew happening all the time. And it's about combining ideas that are from seemingly different worlds. Exactly. That come up with the big idea. Exactly. So, um, so anyway, so I, I put that um, outline or it's not even an outline at this point. It's just a, you know, a jumble of notes. And um, some of them might be, you know, grouped together, but a lot of them aren't. And I, you know, I would go back to this document and I'd start to look at it and then I'd start to categorize it. So in uh, Click Print Gun, that first big control I had at uh, Magora Financial, I had this story about, um, about this guy uh, who is a libertarian and he was uh, 3D printing the first gun ever first real working gun. And when I first started this, it was just really a story and he hadn't, he hadn't succeeded. But anyway, so I, you know, group all those stories of him together. I group, you know, the stories of um, where are all the research that I had, where, um, you know, they were projecting how big the 3d printing market was going to be. I would, you know, have a section of all the industries that it could change. I'd have a section of all the stocks that I was going to use as like analogies. And so I just, I'd start to categorize all of this. And once I started to categorize that, then I'd be like, wow, okay, now, now I've got enough to build an outline. And then I would build my outline and then I'll play with my outline and, and, you know, move parts of it around, you know, so that everything's logically presented. And I'll tell you, that can be sometimes a kind of a tough thing. So it's worthwhile to play with it while it's in the um, outline mode before you get to the writing mode. One question on the, on the outline. Do you have a pretty specific formula? Are you sort of like you've got all the parts that need to be in the, in the, in the argument, you know, the proof, uh, story elements, uh, you know, scientific research, are those the things influencing the outline? Yes. Yes. The outline comes from the research and the ideation. Okay. So I started out with this idea of, you know, introducing how revolutionary 3D printing was going to be by this guy who was going to print a gun. And um, he, he never actually succeeded in making the gun until I was in the editing phase. It was the greatest gift in the world that he had actually done it. And then the government, he was sharing all of his, uh, all of his 3D printing files so that anybody could, you know, print the gun. And the government went in and shut him down. <laughs> it was the greatest gift ever. <laughs> but, and it was pure luck. But, you know, I still had a, a plan of how I was going to frame this if he hadn't succeeded yet. Wow. That's great. So, yeah. so this guy, unbeknownst to you, is the crux of your 
your letter uh, and it just so happened that he had this milestone that created even greater controversy at the perfect time. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, had he not done it by the time my promo went, I think my promo still would have been successful. Um, and if he had succeeded sometime after, I definitely would have edited that copy. In fact, that, um, that one piece of copy spawned um, two other pieces of copy that were different plays on the idea. So we started out with a click print gun. And then I had another um, version that was uh, click, click print revolution. Um, that was just, you know, about what a revolution it was going to be. And it didn't even have anything to do with that gun story. And then a month or so later, or a few months later, um, you know, this is a thing. If you got a control, you got to stay on top of it. You know, people are gunning. There were people gunning for my control like crazy. In fact, uh, one of the guys there at Agora Financial tried to use John's, tried to swipe one of John's, uh, John Carlton's promos. Um, that was, uh, you know, this expert wants to give you a free gun. Oh, right. Yes. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he challenged me and he, and he failed. Um, but I'll tell you, people were trying to knock this control off like crazy. So I'm staying on top of it. And um, there was another story about a guy in South Africa who had um, lost his hand in an industrial accident. And he ended up printing himself a hand. And then wow. he started printing hands for other people who had, you know, who had um, lost their hands or maybe had birth defects where they didn't have hands. And it was, you know, really a kind of a cool and emotional story. Um, that we thought might work really well to some different files. So I wrote that. Um, and then um, that control lasted about a year and a half. And I was writing what I thought was the thing that was going to take it another year, which was click print war. And there was a story that was a white paper done by a guy um, who was a, a Navy, um, I think he was a Navy ensign or something about how 3D printing was going to, you know, change the military. And I pretty much had this thing written. And uh, by, about the time I was ready to turn it into the copy chief, uh, <laughs> my stupid editor had sold all of his 3D printing stocks. <laughs> uh. So my control was never beat, but it went away. Be all because of the wow. editor, you know? So there was a lot of work, but hey, it was a lot of royalties I made on that. Yeah. So so just to be clear, the the what you were promoting was stock tips, uh, and the hottest one being around how the uh, 3D printing will affect uh, stocks, companies who are, are 3D printers, that kind of thing. That was the hot tip. Well, really, this was really more about how it was going to change the world in different areas of the world. And that's kind of the entree, you know, is bring it in. And, you know, it's that rule of one. You know, first I talk about how this uh, guy that doesn't like the government very much, he's a libertarian, how, um, you know, he went and used this new technology to print a gun. Okay. Very emotional thing, right? Because, you know, we're writing to conservative markets who are, you know, very pro-gun, you know, so they ate this stuff up and they hate the government and the fact that the government banned him, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, click yeah, print, right. you know, hand, it was a whole different emotional kind of uh, entry point. Um, the click print war thing, it was, a, you know, another kind of emotional entry point to the story. 
you know, so all these were like, you know, these entry points into the same story, really. That headline, the moment you came up with that headline, click print gun, was that, that just sounds like one of those moments where you're like, oh, that's it. <laughs> I know this is a winning headline, right? It obviously was the case because you did several, several variations of it. But do you remember the moment you came up with that headline? Yeah. And, you know, uh, here's a funny story, though. Um, when uh, Paris saw that, that promo, he's like, man, you gave away your secret in the headline. <laughs> <laughs> so it could have been done better. You know, anything that you do can be done better. You yeah, know, yeah. the point is, is that, you know, I got it out and it was a good control for a year and a half. You know, could yeah. I have done it better? Heck yes. You know, you can do any promo better. Yeah, but like John sure. Carlton always says, you know, and I love to quote John, you know, sometimes good enough is good enough. That's right. Yeah. Because otherwise we'd never be done. We would just never turn in the draft, you know. And I'll tell you, I can tinker with one of these things until, you know, they are yelling at me to send it. <laughs> right. Right. That's great. All right. So that is your, um, that's the crux of your business. Now you're writing these controls. Um, and what's it like from a opportunity standpoint, uh, once you, what would you say to a copywriter who's faced with this proposition of transitioning from working more with entrepreneurs, making a comfortable, revenue from their work now uh, and trying to transition into this bigger opportunity? I'll tell you, um, you know, my big takeaway was, dude, it's time to go back to school. <laughs> you know, frankly, I had got lazy. All my copy was, my copy was working great. I, you know, I might've had two projects I've ever done that didn't work. Um, and my copy, it was doing great. And I thought, you know, I was going to own when I went to Agora. And I'll tell you, that laziness um, needed to be rectified. Because I'll tell you what, if you're going to write at that level, I mean, these are the most competitive markets on earth. And these people have seen everything. And I, I immediately, I went back to school. I went back through, you know, my AWAI copywriting course. You know, I went back through, you know, all the Clayton Make Pieces stuff. I went through, you know, um, I got, you know, some uh, coaching from David Deutsch. Um, you know, I just went back to school hard. And um, it's the best thing I ever did. And, you know, and now I'll, I will never let myself get lazy again. That's great. What, what would be a sign that you're getting lazy? You know, <laughs> well, I mean, that sign is that uh, um, you just you quit paying attention to what people are saying and what people are teaching um, because you think you know it all and you might know, you know, parts of it, but you know, it's like the layers of onion, buddy. It's like, there are so many layers of that onion and man, I'm, I'm maybe halfway to the core and I'm 13 years into this business. Right. Right. It's great. Wow. It's great stuff, Mike. I really appreciate you sharing so deeply here. Um, I want to respect your time. And, uh, but man, this is, I feel like, you know, I'd love to do this again. Uh, uh cause I, there's so much more to share here, but I want to get to the essential question. Dude, I just want you to know, I hardly ever do interviews. 
Um, in fact, wow, it wasn't turned, easy getting you here. <laughs> I turned down inter, you know, I turned down interviews every week because um, mm, I yeah. don't like doing them, frankly. But with you, you know, I feel pretty good. So um, thanks for bugging me. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah. Well, I know you're extremely busy. And like you said, it's not your favorite thing, but this has been immensely valuable. I know this is going to be a, a hugely popular episode for all the right reasons. Um, let's get to the essential question. Uh, and and then I'll, I'll set you free. Hey, it's Kev here. And if you like this podcast, then you are going to love the Copy Chief app. Total, custom, easy-to-use, smooth phone app where you can listen to every podcast episode, plus get all the show notes, and dig it. You can listen right inside the app, even when your phone is in the locked position. Super cool. Plus, right there in the same app, you get access to all the great free Copy Chief content to help you write better, higher-converting copy. Plus, members can access the private form area right from the mobile app. It's available for you for free right now, wherever you get your apps, Apple, Android, go get it. Download the Copy Chief app today because nobody writes alone. Uh, so Mike Morgan, what is the one thing you've done in your marketing that has produced the most surprising results? <laughs> um, okay, so have we established I'm an introvert? We have not. <laughs> Let's establish that right now. <laughs> I, I am a freaking introvert. You take me to a party, I am hanging by the wall or I'm hanging with that one or two people I know. Now, if I go to a party and I know a lot of people or I'm with, you know, a group where I know a lot of people, well, I'm not so introverted. In fact, I can be kind of the, you know, the um, center of the party at times. Yeah, I, I've seen you in that mode for sure. <laughs> We've hung out like that. Yeah. But, you know, in normal life, I'm not. And, um, you know, and I'm kind of shy. Um, so, you know, one of the things that when I first started copywriting, um, Harlan Kilstein was one of my first mentors. And um, Harlan, you know, he taught me a bit about writing, but what he taught me about most was uh, the business of being a copywriter and how to get clients. And Harlan told me, he's like, you know, the easiest way to get clients is going to be to go to seminars and network. Get yourself some cards printed up and, um, you know, make sure they're good, you know, direct response cards. Make sure they're not about you. They're about your client. And, uh, and go to a seminar. And you go and you talk to people. At, you know, you sit somewhere different um, at every session so you can be around new people. Um, you talk to people at the breaks and then you hit the bar at the end of the night. And that's where a lot of the networking is done. And I thought, geez, oh man, this sounds painful. Going <laughs> 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 up and introducing myself to people. And, um, and Harlan just, he made it so easy. He, and, you know, I, this isn't my trick. This is, I'm giving full credit to Harlan on this. Um, but it, it changed my it changed my career arc in a big way. And that was, you know, when I'm doing this uh, networking, all I have to do is walk up to people and I say, hi, I'm I'm Mike Morgan. You know, what's what's your name? And they'll tell me your name and I'll say, you know, so what's your what business are you in? 
and people, they love to talk about themselves. So they'll talk, 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 talk. And it took all the pressure off of me. And um, at the end, you know, eventually the subject's going to get to, to you. And these people would say, um, so what is it you do? And I'd say, well, I'm a copywriter. And it was amazing that, you know, 75% of these people would say, I need a copywriter. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, and I'd be great. And, I, you know, and I'd talk to them a little bit about, you know, what, what um, um, you know, when they need copy um, and um, who have they used before and, you know, questions around there. And so um, when I went to that seminar, it was the big seminar in Los Angeles. I'll never forget it. I got there and I was still, I mean, man, there were probably skid marks in my shorts. I was so, <laughs> I was, I was so nervous. But, you know, I, I, I just, I started and I, and I kept going and I kept going and I kept going. And at the end of every night, I would have a stack of cards that was like an inch thick of people that I'd talk to. And after I'd had that conversation with everybody, I'd write a little note on their card um, so I could remember them. And that night I would go through the cards and I would um, categorize them A, B, and C. A was um, guy I like. Um, sounds like a cool business, sounds like a cool project, needs copy right away. That was an A, and I put A on their card. Um, the Bs were people that were all the same, but they didn't need copy right now. They needed it down the road. So they were a B. Everybody else was a C. And I lit their cards up and I burned them in the trash can. <laughs> Figuratively. <laughs> I just ripped them to shreds and I threw them away. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, at the end of that, at the end of that, I, I got $50,000 worth of business. This is my first seminar I'd ever went to. I had $50,000 worth of business that I got in the next year. And I just started going to events and events and events and events. And I started, um, doing this, but you know, it did a lot of things for me. Um, number one, um, it got me pretty well known with all the marketers. Um, and as my success grew, you know, I'd go to these seminars and man, I'd be a star. They'd be, you know, having me up on a panel um, and uh, get me more and more exposure. But I, I also met a lot of copywriters. Um, and I'll tell you that network of copywriters is a really valuable thing um, because, you know, they know who's cool, who's not cool. They might know who's hiring, who's not hiring. And I'll tell you what, this networking has, you know, made me well over a million dollars in, you know, in fees. Incredible. You know, I always say I can trace every dollar I've made in my business back to a handshake somewhere. Yeah. It's, uh, but I tell you, it's encouraging to hear you talk about how scared you were and how you, you just did it. And, and the reward was so immediate. I'll, I'll tell you what, too, uh, the last night, in the bar, you know, I, I knew it was the last night. I knew this was do or die. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to double what I just had a goal, how many cards I was going to get. And, um, and Harlan walked up to me, put his hand on my shoulders and he says, you've been busy this weekend. And man, that was like the highest praise ever from Harlan Kilstein, right? (laughs) (laughs) Not a man who dishes it out. Yeah. Too commonly. (laughs) Wow. That's great, man. Uh, and again, I want to put a footnote on this, that Mike did this by asking 
people about themselves. Really key note there. I've seen people have similar goals, Mike, and do it the wrong way, which is just that kind of why people hate the word networking because they picture this person who's really just out for themselves, right? Uh, you you went up and you generally showed interest in people and listened to uh, what they were doing and let them ask you, hey, so what is it you do? And I've always said to people when it comes to networking, uh, even if you're really shy, look, all you have to do is ask some good questions and that establishes your authority and your expertise as much as you rattling on for 20 minutes about your accomplishments. Well, that and showing some empathy too, right? I mean, man, you know, any marketer there, anybody who's a sharp marketer is going to know that copywriters need empathy. And if they're showing them empathy, they know that you can do the job. Mm, great point. Yeah. Fantastic. Mike Morgan, uh, you're a great man. I really appreciate you coming out of your comfort zone and doing this. Uh, it, it's going to be super helpful to everybody who hears it. So, um, Mike, uh, leave him alone to do his work. He doesn't have anything uh, to sell you right now. <laughs> you know, but, people, if there are writers out there and they want to, um, um, and I, I love having other writers, you know, that I'm connected with on Facebook. I'll tell you, Facebook's another, it's been another great thing for me, you know, where I can be an introvert, but I can use my writing, you know, on Facebook. And, you know, I've done a really good job, I think, of, you know, you know, um, being very authentic, you know, sharing parts of my life and sharing copywriting all in one account. You know, I've got a, um, a business account there too. I don't even use it. You know, I think I've got like, I don't know, 400 followers there or something. Not very many. Um, but anyway, if you want to connect with me on Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com forward slash million dollar Mike. Perfect. Million dollar Mike Morgan. Thank you, brother. I hope we do it again soon. All right, my friend. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Truth About Marketing podcast. If you like this show and you think other people would like this show, the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes. Just log in, click review, leave a big old fat five-star review, and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash TAM, as in truth about marketing. And if you'd like to uh, learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro, do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com. And I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.